Welcome to the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins. This podcast is designed to empower, educate, and encourage women of all ages and stages of life in their walk with God. Our goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and topics relevant to your lives as Christians. We will have conversations with other leaders all along the way and discuss topics all of us want and need to hear. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy the journey with me. How many of you, that's the first time you ever heard that song? (laughs) As a little girl growing up on the edge of the Cherokee Indian Reservation at the base of the Appalachian Mountains, um, Casey can tell you this, at my mom's house where I grew up, my stepdad's name was Bob, Bob Russell, and he made music. And I would lay in bed at night on a Friday or Saturday night and they'd pick until about two or three in the morning and they'd sing this song. There ain't no grave. I can remember laying in my bed listening to this song from, I think it was written back in the 20s, but isn't that an amazing song? And you're going to find out today why I chose that song, right? So buckle up because we're getting ready to get in it today. It's going to be awesome. Thank you so much for the beautiful honor all the things that y'all did and Tim coming and the flower all of it just all of it because it's a lot's overwhelming to me Um, I'm going to be really honest with you this is probably the hardest message I've ever studied for because of its actual content and um, I didn't do a lot of studying so we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come okay and bring what we need today um, because it is a harder subject matter, but we're going to get, we're going, we're going to pull it apart, and we're going to trust that the Holy Spirit, right, sets the table for us, that we get exactly what it is that He has for us today. Um, yes, so I'll have some, I'll, I'll save my housekeeping for the end because I don't want to mess up the uh, flow of what we've just experienced. So. Um, I don't know about you, but this series, I have probably learned as much, if not more, than almost any other series. Maybe than, maybe our Seven Mountains, you know, maybe that one had some, you know, things about education and finance and the economy and all those things, you know. But this has been a rich Bible study. How many of you would agree? I mean, it has been so powerful. Not only are the women that we have studied been amazing, but these women who have taught, equally stunning and amazing. So we opened up the first week with Proverbs 31. Remember, we laid that groundwork about that she had both a strategy and she was a good steward. And then we went right into week two. Michelle talked about the daughters of Zelophehad. Did I say it right? Oh, Zelophehad. Okay, that's so good. The fact that God loves women. God loves women, and he has a distinct plan and purpose for us and our voices. It was an amazing word, and um, she taught and helped us realize that we have to stand in our place and push back the erasure of women in the culture today that we are now experiencing. Then the next week, Gina Girl was up, and she gave us a call to arms that week. She unpacked the story of two women, Eunice and Lois, and the importance of the generational call. Now, how many of you know every week we've talked about this thread of the generations? But you know why? Because women are who carry the generations, literally carry the generations through, right? Not just in our heart, but 
many times in our physical body, right? That word was awesome and that we need to get serious about fighting for the next generation. We can't just say, well, kids, what are we going to do with them these days? With that, that day is over, y'all. That, that plot of farm is lost. So we got to get a whole new situation, and I'm going to be tagging on to that today for sure. And then week four with Susan. Hannah in the Old Testament, Anna in the New. And I mean, that was unbelievable. Um, and how both of these women, now I want you to listen how she worded it, were integral to usher in new movements. This is for some of y'all. God's calling some of y'all to do this. And even a shift in kingdoms. And it was, it was really something. And then she asked the question, are we hungry for that today? Is there a hunger in our heart today? Because that has to be there. We have to step into our place by accepting the invitation that he's given to us. It's awesome. Then last week, Nicole, she brought us two women, the Old and New Testament, again, the dynamite women. The Shunammite woman and the woman with the might. I loved it so much. But um, since that message last week, I don't know how many times this week I've heard the word up. Went up, go up, level up, stand up, right? All up. And that's what this Shunammite woman, that's what she did. And God really highlighted. And then the woman with the might gave all. Yeah. She just didn't give some. She gave everything. And Jesus watched. And he said, boys, let's take a look at this right here. Look at this woman, what she's doing. And that was a call for us to do. Um, You know, I was thinking about this week when I was studying for this about her calling was kind of like, what dreams are tucked inside each of your hearts that maybe have some dust on them that the Lord's saying, I want you to take that back out again. We're going to blow the dust off, and I want you to look at it again. Because, you know, how many of you know when we get to a new season, we might have different eyes? Because we're not, you know that whole, I guess, I don't know if it's a book or a movie, you cannot go home again. The reason why is because it's not the same and you're not the same. So when we get to a different place and you pull that dream off the shelf and look at it again, it may look different-ish, right, how it plays out because you're not the same person as you were when you shelved that thing. So, all this leads us to today, the wrap-up. And this is, um, this is an ending of an era of sorts. And it is bittersweet for me, even though we will continue to have sisterhood in the new building. There's a lot God has done in this space. God's done a lot. And I don't want to rush past that, you know, without taking a moment to honor what he has done here in us and through us. And um, so moving on, our lady today, her name is Rizpa, R-I-Z-P-A-H, Rizpa. If you know, you know. If you don't, stay tuned. So as we unpack this story, you're going to see why I'm choosing my title today is Never Give Up. Never give up. Now, this sounds a little bit contrary to uh, the podcast that I've just kind of finished in the recording studio, which was actually right here this past week. Um, I wasn't at Signal Fire, but um, I, I, I went through a book that you will hear on the podcast as we get kind of into the summer, kind of going here into May. 
um, a book by Dr. Henry Cloud called Necessary Endings. You know, he is the author that, that wrote the book on boundaries. And um, that book, you know, does go through the lengthy, and I cover it in weeks, in, pod, in episodes, um, of why there are times when God calls us to put a period on something and not a comma. So there are some of those. So don't think I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because there are other times when God's like, I need you to never give up on this right here. Never give up. So years ago, I heard a message by Jensen Franklin. Nicole and I have talked about it for years. And his message on Rizpah was um, fight for what's left. Now, I didn't re-listen to his message because I wanted to hear something fresh and new today, but you can also think of that line, fight for what's left. So I don't know what in your life that God may be calling you to when you hear this message today, but I know there is something that God is saying, this right here, I'm not finished, don't give up. There's something that he's wanting. You, you know, this is not, um, these times are not for us to just, you know, come and hear another message, right? They are for you and I to pick up an impartation that we can go out and carry with us into our lives in the world, right? And that's what I hope happens here today. Um, so I have no points, I told you it's going to be really different today. Those of you who know kind of how I teach or preach, I have no points. Um, it's just, a, it's not one of my normal messages. But um, I will tell you, we see Rizpah two times in Scripture. We see her in 2 Samuel 3. And then we see her again in 2 Samuel 21. And she never speaks a word, but boy, does she speak. Boy, does she have a lot to say. So I'm going to set our story up today, and then we're going to open up the scriptures and look at them. So most Jewish scholars believe that Rizpah was 16 years old when she became Saul's concubine. So a concubine was much more than a mistress, so hang with me. You know, because you hear that and you think, bless her, you know, she didn't have a good life goal. You know, I think about a concubine and think, hmm, she should have had a different, you know, goal. Y'all looking at me hard. Y'all know what I mean, right? I'm kind of being funny. But you know, that you think about that because you're like, okay. But they were much more than mistresses. In a sense, she was a secondary wife. And I found out she was considered a member of the household of Saul. And she took her position as a concubine through an official ceremonial appointment. So kind of like a wedding, I guess, of sorts but a little more uh, maybe um, proper than that, you know. And she had rights, the same rights as a married woman. So unlike a true wife, concubines were usually acquired by purchase or they were taken captives in war. So that's how that happened. Now, she could be divorced and then released from him, but she could never again be a slave if she had been a slave to begin with, or she could never, from that point on, ever be considered someone's slave. Concubines didn't ask to become concubines. What happened to them was powerful men in their lives made those decisions for them. 
They had no power in it. So today, our text that we're going to read from is in 2 Samuel. So if you'll turn there or just jot it down, I'm going to read it to you. Um, It is verses 1 through 14. Now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. And David sought the presence of the Lord. And the Lord said, it is for Saul and his bloody house because he put the Gibeonites to death. So the king called the Gibeonites and he spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the sons of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. And the sons of Israel made a covenant with them, but Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the sons of Israel and of Judah. Thus David said to the Gibeonites, what should I do for you? And how can I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? Then the Gibeonites said to him, We have no concern of silver or gold with Saul or his house, nor is it for us to put any man to death in Israel. And he said, Well, I will do for you whatever you say. So they said to the king, to David, The man who consumed us, who planned to exterminate us from remaining within any border of Israel, let seven men from his sons be given to us, and we will hang them before the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, the chosen of the Lord. And the king said, I will give them. So David consented to this. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, because the oath of the Lord, which was between them. Remember that story where, where David had made a covenant with Jonathan uh, about taking care of his child, of his son, Mephibosheth. This is where this comes in here. Because of the oath of the Lord, which was between them, between David and Saul's son, Jonathan. So the king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, Armani and Mephibosheth, another, another name very similar, um, whom she had borne to Saul, and then also the five sons of Merib, the daughter of Saul, who she had borne to Adriel, the sons of Barzili, and, the, and he was the Maholahite. Then he gave them into the hands of the Gibeonites and they hanged them in the mountain before the Lord so that the seven of them fell together and they were put to death in the first days of the harvest at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now Rizpah and Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock. From the beginning of harvest until it rained on them from the sky, she allowed neither the birds of the sky to rest on them by day, nor the beast of the field at night. And when it was told David what Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, the concubine of Saul, had done, then David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabez-Gilead, who had stolen them from the open square of Bethlehem, where the Philistines had hanged them on the day the Philistines struck down Saul in Gilboa. And he brought up the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from there, and they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged. And they buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, in the country of Benjamin and Zelah, in the grave of Kish, his father. Thus they did all the king commanded. And after that, God was moved by entreaty for the land. That means it rained. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that um, there is nothing um, in there that is not for us, that it's all for us. And so, God, today, we ask that you would let us find ourselves in Rizpah's story 
Um, we ask God that you would um, come and do what only you can do in all of our hearts, that you'll show us, God, where we are to never give up. We ask, Lord, that you would let your word come alive today. Anoint my words, Lord. Let us grow. Let us become better. Let anything that's just from me, let it just fall away. Bring forth what you want to do today in the eternal realms today in our hearts, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So you hear there that they had famine, and the famine lasted three years. Now, I'll be the first to tell y'all we've had a hard three years. Right? Gas, eggs, right? You know, I could go on and on, right? Hard three years. But we have not been in a famine. Because, you know, a famine meant they had no food. They had no food. And that's a hard place, you know, because no food meant that there had been no harvest even when the harvest season came. Wasn't just that they just had a long time without a harvest season. The harvest season came just like it did every year. There was just a crop failure. Um, have you ever thought about times of your life where you think, you know, I've, I've planted this seed. I've watered it. I know I've tended to it. I've pulled the weeds around it, right? I've allowed there to be time, and yet I had crop failure. Have you ever had that happen in your life, and you're looking back and going, well, what more? Or, or worse, something else grows up there. And you're like, well, I, I know I didn't plant that. I planted taters. I didn't plant beans. So why is that coming up, right? I mean, that happens sometimes. And I, this is, I really feel this way. I feel, you know, that's what was happening here. There was no harvest and it was very severe. Um, and then what happened was David inquired of the Lord as to why. You heard me read that just now. And God told him that it was because of Saul and his bloody household, his children, his sons, killing the Gibeonites. And I want to tell you, in your life and my life, there is always a reason for the famine. If you're experiencing crop failure, go to the Lord. Why is this like this? Why? It's supposed to be harvest. And is there a part I have to play in it? And what is it? Yep. Ask him, where did, where, did something go wrong? Because if something went wrong, how many of you know it was, it was not the Lord? Right? Okay. Now, what I wish is that David hadn't have gone to the Gibeonites to ask what to do next. I'm like, Why, what are you doing? Like, go back to the Lord. Nope. He went to the Gibeonites. I wish he had asked God, which is what he did initially. Because he may have gotten a different answer. But he went to the Gibeonites. And verse 8 and 9 says, And the king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, whom she had borne to Saul, and the five sons of Merib, we know the daughter of Saul, and then he gave them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them there in the mountain of the Lord, before the Lord, so that the seven of them fell together, and they were put to death in the first day of the, the barley season. I mean... Every commentary, this is just going to get, just, just stay in it with me for just a minute. Every commentary I read said that these young men were impaled. And that means that there was a piece of wood taken and it was sharpened and they were alive. 
and they were ran through by a sharp piece of wood and then hoisted up on the mountain, naked, humiliated, an awful death. I mean an awful death. Everything that I read said, you know, really only crucifixion. I'm sure um, being drawn and quartered is not pleasant, but this was a horrible, tragic thing that happened to these young men that we have no record of them having any sin before the Lord at all, at all. Their deaths were actually what would be called a guilt offering before Yahweh. Absolutely horrific, horrific. And their little mama. She couldn't do anything to stop it. And she was there the whole time. I'm sure she was talking to him. Mama's here. I'm not going to leave you. Yahweh is here with us. He hasn't left us. I'm not leaving you. I'm going to stay here with you. I'm going to stay right here. I'm not leaving you. I'm not quitting. I'm going to stay. Their little mama was there. Imagine for just a moment, the horror, the terror. Verse 10 says, And Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, she took sackcloth and she spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of harvest until it rained from the sky on them. And she allowed neither the birds of the sky to rest on them by day, nor the beast of the field by night. Now this entire passage is filled with symbolism. You know, we know the sackcloth represents um, despair, grief. You know, we know, we know from, you know, studying any part of the Bible that that sackcloth has a real symbol to it. And we also know that the rock has a symbol. You know, the rock, Jesus, our redemption. Who would be her Messiah to the rock? And then she stayed there from the beginning of barley season until it rained on them from the sky. So was that one day? Was it two days? Was it three days? It was six months. She stayed there for six months. She didn't go home like from the hospital and get a shower. She never left for six months. What's happened in your life in six months? I've become a grandmother. We've celebrated Christmas. We had a New Year's. I had turned 57 years old. Uh, we broke ground on the new church building, right? We've had flourish. Think about the last six months. She stayed at her post for six months. Night and day. Cold, rain, wind, heat, she never left, exhausted, heartbroken. She never left. She never quit. And today, sisterhood, I want you to hear my voice because God is calling us to our post. He is commissioning us. There is something that's as important for us to not leave our post over. Never leave until he tells you to. Never quit until it's over. And how will you know when it's over? Because the relief will come. 
It'll rain. The rain will come. You'll know. So Rizpah watches the corpses of her sons stiffen, soften, swell, and sink into this stench of decay. She fights with winged, clawed, and tooth scavengers night and day. She is there from the spring harvest until the fall rains from Nisan in March and April, so about this time of year, until Tishrei, which is the month of September and October. She's sleeping, eating, toileting, protecting, and bearing witness. You talk about a lot. That is a lot. It's a lot. And this woman is remarkable. Remarkable. She cared nothing what she looked like to the world because her boys, because of her boys, her kids. She's like, I can't leave. I can't quit. It's a word for some of y'all. All she cared about is her family, her legacy, and honor. On Mother's Day at church, I'm going to speak on honor. And honor is a lost virtue in our world today. I hope you will be there for it. She won't quit. And she just dug in. She just dug in there. Have you ever dug in? You know, when you do, it makes you feel a little bit crazy. <laughs> Have you ever done that? And you're just like, whoo, I'm sure people think I'm crazy. Like really crazy, Right? How many of you know sometimes God calls us to do that? He's like, I know this thing's getting ugly and starting to smell and rot, but I'm going to need you to dig in. I don't care what it looks like to the rest of the world. I don't care. I want you to dig in here. Everybody around you saying, give that up. Let it go. It's over. But see, for love and honor, you're like, nope. I'm not leaving my post. I am not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. How many of you have ever left your post before and you knew it when it was over? Yeah, I have. Biggest regrets of my life, leaving my post. I'm not leaving my post again. Don't let the world make you feel crazy for digging in. God is calling Rizpahs today. And I'm going to tell the women in this room, he needs us to stop needing Rizpahs all the time and start becoming Rizpahs. Become Rizpah in whatever arena God is calling you to not quit. Become her. For some of us, it's pastime. For us to become her. Six months. Six months. Can you stay at your post six months? I mean, that is something. See, Rispa could not protect them from their awful deaths, right? But she could protect them now. 
And, you know, even when it meant fighting off the predators in the nighttime. That's, imagine how scary that is. I mean, I'm scared when there's a little white possum that walks up on our porch. I mean, that is like nothing. I mean, you know, predators, they travel around in packs. They get organized. You know, they stay just on the outside of where the light is. And they make a game plan. And she fought them off, the Bible says. She fought them off. And the birds of the air during the day, she fought them off so they would not eat the dead bodies of her children. I mean, that's something. Because how many of you know those, those animals, those predators, they were feeling the effects of the famine too. They probably hadn't had any food either. Nobody had had any food. But she outsmarted them and she stayed at it, beating them off. Do you know that sometimes the very best revenge that you and I can give something is good old perseverance? Just, do you ever know, do you know people that you're just like, she will not quit. She's just going to stay at it. Sometimes God calls us to outlast our enemies. He's like, you just have to say in your heart, I'm just going to outlast them. I tell you how, I'm going to win. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to outlast them. That's what we have to say that. Make hell regret that it messed with you. Stay away from my family. Some of us need to get that. We have that right as daughters of God to make that. And that was Rizpah's message. Stay away. These are my kids. These are my boys and you cannot have them. That was her message. And these were grown men. You cannot have my children. I'm never, ever, 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 ever giving up. Ever. I'm not going home to shower. That's what she was doing. Our world, sisterhood, needs this desperately in whatever realm God has called us to. People who stay and they dare to pay the price of friendship and family and ultimate love even when it turns stinky, even when we are all alone. Do you notice in this story, no one came to be with her? Not a friend, not a relative, not a stranger, Have you ever had seasons where you felt all alone? I have too. I'm sure everybody in here has. But I mean, this woman was alone, alone. She didn't even have anybody to shield her when she was going to the bathroom. I'm going to tell y'all, these people right here, they would lay down on the side of the road. They would do anything to erect something around me so people wouldn't see me going to the bathroom. She had nobody. No one. Six months blows my mind. Real ministry is messy. Real ministry is actually cleaning up the mess. Even if you're all by yourself. It's just the truth of it. Um, five years ago, or six years ago, we lost our beautiful friends, Eva and Tiffany. How many of you knew them and know this story? Um, I'm going to tell you this story 
because it's real people that we know and that we loved and that we lived with and that we worshiped with. And even Tiffany, Eva's the mom, Tiffany's the daughter, one day on Sunday, they just did not come to church. And they were always at church serving. They were always there. And this day they didn't come. And I think by that afternoon, Gina was calling them around three just to check on them, make sure everything's okay. Because usually they would serve a service and they would attend a service every week without fail. On Monday, when I get up, I'm having phone calls. Have you talked to Eva or Tiffany? Where are Eva and Tiffany? You know, this, this, so throughout the day, we begin looking for them. Tim and I go to their apartment. We get the manager to let us in to do a, a well check and go check and see, you know, where are they? What is happening? Where, they were not there. Um, we're all calling and calling and calling. Um, we're calling Holly Tree Elementary where Tiffany worked. She did not come to work at 1 o'clock that day. So this goes on and on. So uh, throughout the week, you know, all of it begins to unravel. And what had happened is... The son-in-law had come from Myrtle Beach, had broken into their house on Friday night, had killed and murdered Eva, had taken her body out in a trash bag, dismembered, took Tiffany captive for a few days, then beheaded, dismembered her, took their body parts out into another county in a little shed on a farm, laid the body parts on a mattress in a shed and set them on fire. And only by God's grace did the neighboring farmer see the fire and they called the authorities to go check because they thought their neighbor's um, farm was burning down. And they found these two precious women. That's what had happened. A few weeks ago, Tim and I were asked to be on this, this detective show, and we were told this. I mean, they told us that, that you know, universities are going to study this case. This is such a, you know, it's such a gruesome, awful thing that has happened to these women. And so they called Tim and I, and they said, we just want you to give some humanity to the story. And so we did. Now, we didn't go tell the story because we loved the story, because the story was actually hell on earth. And everybody can tell you that walked through it that it was, uh, it was horrific. I don't even know what else to say. It was just, as you can imagine. But see, they deserve the right to have their story told with honor. And the Lord deserves that because the Lord had a part in that too, that he, he did. He did show, like, it could be that we never knew where they, what happened to them. But the Lord lined everything up so that we did. And, you know, they were real people. Those were real people, just like Rispa and her sons were real people. Yeah. You know, they, they just had this mess that happened to them. No, no fault of their own. They did nothing. Right. Nothing. They were literally just victims, just like Rispa. So we couldn't just peace out on them, right? We had to honor them and see that thing all the way through, even if it meant being on a TV show that comes out in the fall, right? Even if that's what it meant. You and I cannot just rispa on sheer emotions. So if emotions are your thing, you're going to have to learn how to put that aside. Because I can tell you right now, rispa had to tell her emotions to shut up, I'm sure, I'm just sure. We have to have something more than that. This dig in factor, 
that says, I am not quitting. She stationed herself on the rock. On the rock, even though she had her sackcloth, she stayed on the rock. Now that is not a coincidence, right? Here we have this story in the Old Testament foreshadowing Jesus Christ, the rock of all ages, the cornerstone, the rock. This story is saying, don't leave your rock. Don't leave your rock. Like stay at your rock, stay there. So I'm gonna tell you another story about this family named the Rosenbergs. And this this is a story that happened during the Holocaust. And um, they were taken captive, the Rosenbergs were. And there was a mom and dad and two sons and their names were David and Jacob. And they were put into a shed with hundreds and hundreds of other people, which you know were like the concentration camps. If you know, some of you may have even traveled to Germany and seen some of this. But um, in the daytime, uh, the men would work in the camps and then the father would come back each night and he would search in the shed through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people to sit, to find all of his family members, make sure everybody was still doing okay. And David, one of the sons, he was crippled so he could not go and work and the other son was not old enough. So the father knew that his crippled son He had to keep an eye on him because he knew that they would let him die first because he was weak. And he knew that would be happening. So every evening, they would all be reunited when the day's work was over. So one day, the father comes back to to the little shed, to the camps, and he is searching for them, and he finds his son, Jacob. And Jacob says, they came today, and they took David to a special location the ovens and explained that when they came to get David, that David began to cry. And when David began to cry, his mother turned to him and said, it's going to be okay. I'm going to go with you and I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to stay with you the whole time. Don't be afraid. Mama's going with you and I will hold you tight. Rispa. See, holding tight isn't glamorous. Many times it's tragic. Verse 11 says, When it was told to David what Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, the concubine of Saul, had done, then David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan because they had, those bones had been stolen from Bethlehem where the Philistines had hung them. And he brought up the bones of Saul and Jonathan his son from there, and they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged, and they buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, in the country of Benjamin and Zelah, in the grave of Kish. Thus they did all that the king commanded, and after that, God was entreated, was moved, (coughs) excuse me, God was moved by entreaty for the land. So we see here her um, extraordinary act of love reached David's attention. And it moved David to justice. Now we've talked about justice before. What is justice? Justice is where something has been wrong and it is suddenly moved into the right. That's justice. Now notice that God did not respond 
when they were killed. Remember? That's what the Gibeonites told David. The only way to fix this is to kill these men. Notice God didn't respond when they died, right? God responded when honor was shown to Rizpah and her family. That's when the rain came. Six months later. God sees it all. Nothing escapes God's gaze. Nothing. Tim, he touched on that on Sunday morning. You know, sometimes we look at things and think, how is this ever going to be made right? God has a way. It doesn't mean that the heartache will be rolled away and be any less, but God has a way of bringing justice where it needs to be in his timing. He sees it all. And see, when true justice comes, it is always preceded by honor. The greatest justice the world was ever shown was the death of Jesus Christ, right? But what did he do hours before he was killed? He hosted his friends for dinner, didn't he? He washed their feet. He served them. He honored them. Honor always precedes justice. Always. Rispa, she ended a war. She ended a famine. And she saved an entire nation. That's remarkable. I don't know of any other woman in Scripture who actually did that. So the challenge to us today, like I said at the beginning, is not to just take this as just another message. Woo! We had sister today. It's Tuesday. Because I love that too. I love that. But as I read this woman's story, I wanted an impartation in my own life. To the areas God's calling me not to quit, don't quit. Y'all, he's telling you, don't quit. Don't quit. He knows that you're tired. Don't quit. Pick up a rispa. Never, ever um, quit fighting for what's left. As, as Jensen said in that one sermon, even when it looks dead, even when it's stinking, six months, y'all. So when your money runs out, don't quit. When your seasons change, when you're crying, when you're hurting, when you've been betrayed, when you've been lied about, do not quit. Don't quit. Keep going. Rispa, the woman who never spoke a recorded word, but spoke heaps and heaps and heaps by her sheer act, right, of what she did. Such a beautiful thing. All of us can do that. So here's the conclusion today. I feel a little bit like God had me look at, during this whole week's study, a little bit more about famines. And, you know, we all experience famines of sorts in our lives. You know, I'm not just talking about, I, I, I would say very few of us have ever had times where we're really hungry for food and can't get our hands on food. That mean, you know, we do live in America. I mean, you know, it may have happened to some of you. I'm not saying to none of you, but I'm just saying for the most part, we have more than enough food. You know, you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about a famine in a place in your life that's made you desperate. Desperate. Absolutely desperate. This Famine made David so desperate that he went and inquired of the Lord. Why is this happening? And then 
He turned to man as to how to fix it. We all do that, right? We all do that. Every one of us does that sometimes, right? I'm bad for that, right? I mean, y'all know, if y'all come and ask me for some advice, I'm like, I got advice for a hundred of you. I mean, you know, like, okay, I'll give you all kinds of advice and it's free. You know, I mean, you know, right? We do that because we want to help people, right? Hopefully most of the time it's biblical, it's sound, it's got some wisdom around it. But how many of you know, we all have off days. I'm going to tell you, these people that were advising David, they had an off day. They had an off day, and, and you do too. David did too. So whatever famine, when you feel that thing coming, and you know there's not been any food here, I've had a crop failure here. When you see that, I want you to stop and ask yourself, what voices am I listening to? Don't let your famine drive you to the wrong voices. Let it drive you to God. Let it drive you to Him. So, I've talked a lot. We're going to stand back up and we're going to worship to this song one more time. And we're going to sing it like we mean it. And we're going to sing it like we're all Rizpah. Like we're declaring over that thing. I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. I'm never giving up. I will never, ever, ever leave my post. Amen? All right. Then I'll close us out. So awesome. Isn't that awesome? Oh, I love it so much. Molly Skaggs, the daughter of Ricky Skaggs. At Bethel Church, that's who that was. Did you see her? She's worshiping with one hand, just strumming that guitar with the other. And she can't be bothered, you know, with makeup or anything. She's like, I'm good, y'all. I'm, I'm getting ready to drop it all right here. Okay, so before you go, do you remember our word that we had, the prophetic word that we shared the week that Susan spoke um, by uh, Lana Bowser? So yesterday, she released this. It's two sentences. Yesterday. So RISPA was already done and dusted. I told you I didn't even study. I was like, Lord, this, you're going to have to do this because I don't even, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. Let me say it that way. I'm uncomfortable studying this. You know that area of your life where the battle is raging fiercely and you want to give up? Don't. This area of your life where the enemy is trying to take you out is about to be met with an unprecedented move of the Holy Spirit. Stand firm. So that's how we're going out. We're not quitting. We're standing firm. So in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you so much for this amazing company of women. I thank you, Lord, that... um, You were just so faithful to us, God, that you always just show up even when we make these series. And I thought I was so tired when I even named the series. I didn't even name it right, really, the first time. And But Lord, you knew, and you knew all of the pieces that we needed, all these beautiful women, all these women who are now part of the heavenly host. Lord, we ask that somehow today that you go to Rizpah's mansion and tell her that there's a company of women that honor her memory today. And so, Lord, we just love you so much. We ask that you would go with us into the new season. God, we don't want to go if you're not with us. So we ask you to go with us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. I love y'all people. We do love you, and honor gets the last word.
honor's going to get the last word. So hang on just a sec. Okay, but you've already honored me. With... Yes. A, I know I got my clip on, so it's going to hang, hang a little loose up here. We're not kidding you right now. We just want to give honor to whom honor is due. Inside of this basket are a whole bunch of things that represent several of our series that we have done in the last 10 years. Because um, this right here, she'll never say it, so I will. This is a Rizpa. Because that's what a shepherd does. She stands on the rock and she beats off the vultures. And she beats off the wild animals for you and for me. And if you don't see her standing on the rock, then I pray the Lord give you a little peek. Because I'm going to promise you she's done it. She's beat the tar out of the enemy on our behalf. Whoosh. So uh, we got just a couple more things, little HB. So I'm going to ask you if you would just have a little seat for just a minute. No, you can keep that right there. I think that's beautiful. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. I can't wait for you to go through it because it's something. Okay, y'all can have a seat too. I'm not going to make y'all stand. So many a series we have sorted through. You know what I'm saying? Sorted through. They have fortified as rebar the core of me and of you. This is in no way and it is finished or that this is through. It's just a to be continued, a refresh sisterhood, a renew. Yeah? So the sisterhood effect, oh, I, oh, I think I'm gonna do this, Gina. I think I am. It, you're right, Shell, it does need to be seen. The sisterhood effect, you walk that thing out. I think that's how we got our start. Yeah. So she's footing it up. Yeah, she's right there. It was a reach up, reach out, reach back. Sisterhood effect. She got her footing and we got our start. It was reach up, reach out, reach back. Sisterhood, because we're a generational heart. Sisterhood fight club. You remember that? Yeah, man. Take the bull by the horns. Sisterhood Fight Club. We used our words for war. Anybody remember that? Midday, baby, midday. Because our babies, our families, our churches, this world is worth fighting for. Be found in the fields. Oh, Gina, you're going to have to help me where you had them all. I don't want to mess up your basket though, boo. You did it so good. Be found in the fields. Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that? Be found in the fields. Oh, snap, dragon. Here we go. Be found in the fields. And we literally were. It was right back here in these fields, a sisterhood photo shoot, where an aunt, an aunt got her. Oh, yeah. Give me this mountain. Ta-da. But watch out for the ant hill. We got you, HB. We're packing the heat. Armed with Benadryl. Are you serious? Yeah, it's in here. It's down in the bottom. Benadryl. But speaking of packing heat, I had to include this one. Speaking of packing heat, this story can't be beat. 
Sisterhood PM at the mall. HB on her way in, in the lot, toting her Bible and all. <laughs> Went out of the window, this driver road flew like a flash, screaming obscenities from his dash. Yes. <laughs> HB simply waved to say hello, but then just as far, whew, she about let it go. <laughs> but once inside, she was still lit. But that fire came through the word. What he missed, we got to get. <laughs> there was a study of Esther. Remember that? Got earrings. Oh, did they fall? I'm sorry. There's earrings and they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. Look at that. Oh, that's beautiful. We did the study of Esther and then there's a Manny. Yeah. Because yeah, she had all those treatments. Right. Treatments. The study of Esther and we did Moses. Yeah, burning bush, you got your candle right there. Whew, it's going to be hard to pull all these things out right here. Okay, Esther and Moses and David. Oh, which one is it? Which one is it? The, oh, sorry. Right here. Oh, David. Girl, this your sling. You hear what I'm saying? It's your sling. Oh, oh yeah, baby. Her crossbow, she gets her. Because, I mean, listening, her purse is like killing her back. So we got to take care of her. So, so we got, that's your sling. Okay, let me get back on my thing. So there was a study of Esther and Moses and David the Great too. Brave women running my family and how they relate to all me and you. Y'all remember that? Brave women running our family? That was back at the mall. Yep, yep, yep. Um, we did a series called the question, a uh, why. We did a, there's a question mark. Yeah, there he is right there. We did a series called why. Answering questions that were hard. Shields up. That was about spiritual warfare. The enemy overplaying his hand and showing his cards. The seven mountains of influence. Whoo, that was quite the climb. It's a good thing we had spring training. We did that in the mall. So the altitude was just fine. It was good. You got you some spring sockies in here. They're really cool. Little spring workout walking socks. Get it going. Okay. We traveled above the trees. Tree. Whew. That was easy. We traveled above the trees and way, way above, just in time before all the masks and the gloves. What? Y'all, for real. Navigating transition, making the most of change. Oh, we got the little butterfly towel. Oh, it's so pretty. Look at that. A little discount butterfly towel. Sweet. Precious. Yes. Navigating transition, making the most of change. Didn't we know it? With a mall exit, Florence, COVID. Touch a neighbor and say, strange. Yeah. Strange. Okay. And sometime before that unfortunate break, HB broke her foot. Right here, right here before sisterhood, went to ER, got it handled, returned, preached, and it was good. A beautiful mind. Remember that with Dr. Caroline Lee? A beautiful mind. Whew, left my mind ablaze. And eyes ablaze. The brain divine, fascinating in all the ways it was. That was incredible. The names of God. Oh, look at this. So pretty. Oh, gosh. Jay, I don't want to break nothing, babe. It's so beautiful. There it is. There, look at that. Like the names of God. Like pinned in that pretty. The names of God. Life in the kingdom. Oh, look, there's the key to the kingdom right there. 
There it is. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, did I miss that one? The boom. I'm coming back to that one. Brave women running my family. Can I just do that one right now? I just messed it up. I'm so sorry. Brave men. Look at that. For a little baby haven. Because brave women runs in her family. Precious. I'm so sorry. That was the best one. That was the best one. The names of God. Life in the kingdom. Incredibly insightful. I've learned to build my life. A beautiful life. And all the flourish. How delightful. There's so much I didn't touch that we couldn't name. But man, we're so glad that you came. Sisterhood, it's a glory to glory kind of story. And we're so glad you're in it. Whether you were here for the whole 10 years, a few, or even just a minute. Sisterhood, it's not ending and it's not through. It's just till next time with a refresh and a new view. Yes. To HB, what can we say? We tip our sisterhood hat to you today. It was your yes that put this to the start. You took the bull by the horns, pedal to the metal, full throttle, and with all heart. Our grand thank you. Eight letters that could not weigh more. But we all are better me's, elevated, stronger, tighter, and looser than before. So to you, we cheer. And to you, thank you for being here. And before we wrap, let's take a look at Sisterhood Through the Years. Will you join me in saying, yay, thank you for 10 years. This is so good. Thank you, HB. And we take the baton and we go. You, thank you for accepting it and thank you for sending us out. Yes. Yeah? Yeah? Yeah! yeah. yeah. Woohoo! We love you. I love you all so much. Thank you so much. I have nothing. I can't say anything. I just can't say anything else. I just love all of you so much. And oh my goodness, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Okay, go have a great Tuesday. Pray for, pray for me tonight that I can get through this again, y'all. It's a lot, so help me. <laughs> pray for me. When, you, when y'all are having dinner with your family, pray for us. We'll still be here in it. Love you all. <laughs>